Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to A Reason for Hope. What are we giggling about? You'll never know because it was before the show started. It was behind the scenes. <laughs> it was behind the scenes. You know, if, if you make a sizable donation to the ministry, you can have <laughs> uh, behind the scenes access. We'll let you sit in here and, and watch the mayhem that happens before That's the right. program. Wow. So, yeah. Send, send in a, an yeah. email. Yeah. First to get there wins yeah. the prize. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. Welcome to Reason for Hope. At least 15 cents <laughs> a contribution. At least. Yeah. At least. Maybe 16 cents turn January with inflation and all that stuff. Welcome to Reason for Hope. Uh, we're all about your questions on the Bible. That's what Reason for Hope is. We want to give you uh, the reason for the hope that we have, which is in Jesus. So you can send questions in, anything relating to the Bible anything relating to Christianity, and in fact, even other worldviews and religions, um, how they compare to Christianity. The Bible is the source of our answers on this show. So as long as you know, we're gonna take it back to the Word. Um, could be something you're going through in your life. You'd like to know, what does the Bible say about my circumstances? I'm going through a difficult time here. I'm trying to make this kind of decision over here. What uh, does the Bible tell me about it? Is there any guidance to be found in there? We'd love to help you with anything along those lines. Any honest and sincere question that you have, you're more than welcome to send those in. We have multiple platforms that we are streaming live to. I'll be going over those in just a moment, just so you know the different ways that you can join us and interact with us today for the next hour. Like I say, we are live on those platforms. Very exciting. We never know quite where it's going to go. My name's Dave Robson. I'll be your host today, and I'll be on those platforms with you just checking for your questions as they come on in here today with us. We have our senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship, Scott Richards. Hey. How are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> Good to see you. Yeah. You had quite a busy day. I running running, running ragged from pillar to post, but we are here and we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to do. We made it. You made it with a minute to spare. So that's, it's, uh, that's good for me. It's, it is good for you. <laughs> also, Pastor Sean Richards as well, your, your, uh, your junior. How are you doing? I made it with 10 minutes to spare. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're good. You're always an early That's why cover. he's. Uh, that's why I'm hyperventilating and he is not. <laughs> he's just yeah. chill over there. Yeah. I'm crying on the inside. That's right. And I was here before any of you guys, so I beat you all. <laughs> no. Okay. No. <laughs> no. Well, we're glad you're both here. Glad I'm glad to be here as well. Yes. So. And thank you for your your faithfulness to this ministry. Thank you for just your love of the Word and your love for the Lord and how you minister to us all with your knowledge on scripture. We appreciate it. Um, Monday through Friday, we're here, and we do appreciate you guys doing that for us. So and I know our viewers do as well, and are blessed by it. So um, as I promised, let's go over the different ways that you can join us today, um, just in case you're just getting familiar with our ministry. As I mentioned, it's a, a ministry and outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship here in Tucson, Arizona. So keep that in mind. That will help you find us on these various platforms. We're with you Monday through Friday, five to 6 p.m. here in the uh, same places. So you can always find us here during the week. CalvaryChristianFellowship.com is our website. That's a great home base for you. Obviously, that's our website, um, so we have more control over that. And if you're someone that's not on social media, um, that's going to be your friend right there, CalvaryChristianFellowship.com. Go to that Watch Live tab, and that will take you out to our live page. Uh, feel free to have a click around our website, certainly if you're in the Tucson, Arizona area and you're looking for somewhere to worship the Lord and get in the word, we would love to have you join us. We're near Prince and I-10 on the west side of the freeway. Um, you're welcome to come along to our Sunday services or uh, Wednesday evening service. You can get more information right there, calvarychristianfellowship.com. But as I mentioned, if you click on that live tab, the watch live tab, it will take you to our live page where we're streaming right now. 
or the direct link is ccftucson.online.church. Literally, you can type that in to your browser, ccftucson.online.church, and that will take you to the same place. You can sign in with a username and then send us your question through the chat function. Uh, when we're offline, you'll see a countdown to our next event, so you can just sit there and stare at that and count down. Um, it's very exciting, and then you'll see a schedule of upcoming events as well, so you don't have to miss a thing, in the words of Aerosmith. Uh, we're on Facebook <laughs> as well. <laughs> Quick Aerosmith wanna, reference. Yeah, don't Early wanna, on in the program. Maybe just don't want to miss a thing. I don't know, mm -hmm. but anyway, you know what I mean. We're on Facebook as well. <laughs> Facebook.com slash CCF Tucson, or just search for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson on Facebook. We're streaming live there as well. Don't forget to uh, you know follow along and, and like and all those share and all that good stuff. We'd love to continue to spread this ministry and get God's word out there. So if you've been blessed, pass on the blessing, pay it forward, as they say. But we're streaming live on Facebook. You can send your question in uh, through the chat function as well, and we'll be receiving those, Lord willing, loud and clear. And we have an app for your mobile device as well. Again, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. Look for that in your app store, and you can download the app. There's lots of things on the app. We have messages archived, upcoming events, um, and of course, like I said, we're streaming live on that as well. You can have us right in the palm of your hand. Take us everywhere with you. We also have a channel on Roku and Apple TV. If you have uh, that capability, add us as a channel in your channel store, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. We're on YouTube as well. Uh, a Reason for Hope is the name of the, the channel on YouTube. Look for A Reason for Hope. And we are streaming live. Once again, send your questions in through that method if you would like. Um, that live tab is great because anytime we've been live, we uh, it archives there for you automatically. We upload other um, video content as well, questions of the week, etc. Um, so do check us out on YouTube. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you click on the notification bell, then you'll be prompted when we're live. You won't have to miss anything. Uh, I'm sure the Twitterverse is just blowing up these days. Pastor Scott here is on Twitter. If you'd like to follow with him, Scott R4H, Scott letter R number 4, letter H. Uh, he posts, uh, um, certainly right now, uh, updates on things going on in the Middle East and Israel um, as they um, relate to end times and biblical prophecy and that kind of thing. So if you'd like to follow along, more immediately then uh, follow him on Twitter and we're on Rumble as well not live on Rumble but we post video content there for you archives etc the reason for hope Bible Q&A on Rumble if you use that platform and then our email address questionsforhope at gmail.com questionsforhope spelled out at gmail.com you can send us questions there as well if you're listening to us on the radio uh, you'll want to use that email address because we um, uh, you are listening to the last show that we did pre-recorded we're not live on the radio so questions for hope at gmail.com is the best way for you to send your question in but we are glad that you're joining listening in viewing in wherever you are joining us and once again please do send us your questions um, anything that we can answer from the word anything relating to that as long as it's honest and sincere we would love to hear from you today so with all that being said we always like to pause and, and pray because we're handling God's word. We want him to speak, as Sean says, more than we do. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Pastor Scott, would you like to pray for us? I would. Yeah. Let's Lord, thank you so much that we have this opportunity to be able to gather together and enjoy your presence here today. Father, we pray uh, that the righteousness, the right relationship we have with you by faith, the peace that comes from your unfailing love, the joy unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, that comes upon us, Lord, when uh, we begin to realize that you are actively involved with our lives would be a vital part of this program. We pray for those who are going to participate with their questions, Lord. We pray 
the answers we would give would be precisely those uh, parts of your word that are going to minister to their hearts, Lord. We don't want to offer man's philosophies, uh, man's speculations. Uh, we want to go right to uh, the one thing that changes hearts and lives, and that is your forever settled in heaven word. Thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to do this today. We give you the program in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen to that. Indeed. Well, uh, you have been known to give us an update on what's going on in yeah, the Middle East. Yeah, a lot uh, actually going on in the Middle East. Uh, we have seen, for instance, that uh, things in, in Lebanon are heating up uh, like there's no tomorrow. Uh, that doesn't uh, really surprise uh, anyone. Uh, it, it does seem uh, that the Houthi rebels are still in the piracy business, and a uh, major uh, international shipping concern is now pressing Western powers to do something about this, uh, mm -hmm. much like uh, they uh, took care of the uh, al-Shabaab uh, rebels uh, that were operating and hijacking and pirating uh, ships off of uh, Somalia. Uh, Captain Phillips, the movie, was a dramatization of that particular tactic. Uh, the Houthis have stepped that up, obviously, by uh, launching uh, ballistic missiles at tankers that they would uh, consider to be associated with Israel in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but uh, it does appear that that is heating up. Uh, some of these large shipping companies are saying that uh, the international community needs to step in and uh, basically put the Houthis out of business. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens along that line. Uh, another very interesting uh, development, uh, we mentioned this uh, yesterday, but a uh, Turkish uh, representative in parliament, a man by the name of Hassan Bitmez, uh, made a, uh, well, a real uh, stem-winding speech uh, regarding uh, Israel and uh, the uh, the fact uh, that uh, Israel was uh, the were murderers uh, that anyone uh, that would uh, have uh, any kind of moderate views about Israel he said you have the blood of Palestinians on your hands you're collaborators you contribute to every bomb that drops on Gaza uh, after finishing this uh, speech where he called down curses from Allah on Israel. Bitmez suddenly fell backwards on the floor with other MPs rushing from their seats to help. Afterwards, uh, it was uh, revealed that his heart stopped beating. He was resuscitated in Parliament, transferred within 20 minutes to a hospital where medical machinery kept him alive. Uh, at this moment, uh, Mr. Bitmez is no longer on this side of the veil, so to speak. He passed away as a result of all of that. So uh, the irony there is a little hard to miss. So uh, that was one story we were covering with you yesterday. The big story uh, appears to be the possibility of a widening gap between Israel and the United States. Uh, President Joe Biden uh, made some very pointed remarks uh, directed uh, in a uh, critical way towards Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and uh, the, uh, the uh, approach that Israel has taken in Gaza. Uh, again, uh, he said that the quote-unquote indiscriminate bombing that is happening in Gaza is turning world opinion against Israel, mm -hmm. that Benjamin Netanyahu needed to take a serious look at restructuring his government because it was far too conservative. And uh, this was uh, the kicker uh, that uh, Israel 
uh, again, uh, would uh, uh, be in uh, big trouble without uh, the United States' help and support, uh, and that uh, Benjamin Netanyahu needed to acknowledge uh, a two-state solution, that is, giving the Palestinians their own state uh, free of any Israeli supervision uh, as uh, part and parcel of cleaning up this mess in the Middle East. Well, uh, as you can imagine, uh, the response from Benjamin Netanyahu uh, was uh, telling. He used uh, Biden's critique to rally his supporters in Israel by rejecting Biden's call for the West Bank's Palestinian Authority to be revitalized in order to take over governing Gaza after the war. He said, we will not allow Israel to make the mistake of Oslo, referring to the 1993 Oslo Accords, that were meant to allow limited Palestinian self-rule. The uh, country's, uh, uh, again, the result of the Oslo Accords was uh, the immediate uh, declaration of an intifada where uh, a number, uh, numbering the hundreds of Israelis, lost their lives. Uh, the idea that there could be this two-state solution uh, is pretty much a non-starter from everybody uh, that uh, we know of in Israel. Uh, the one thing they all agree on is that Gaza, uh, the Gaza Strip itself, was uh, intended in 2005 when Israel withdrew to be an example of what an independent, self-governing Palestinian state could be. Well, we've seen what an independent, self-governing Palestinian state uh, is. Uh, it en ended up being a uh, little more than a missile platform uh, at its best and a launch point for the massacre of over 1,200 Israeli is uh, innocent Israelis at the worst. So uh, again, uh, where is Biden on Israel? It depends which day of the week he tends to be speaking. He has been supportive of Israel uh, by and large uh, since the attacks uh, took place. Uh, his remarks took place at a closed-door political fundraiser, but you know how these closed-door things have a way of leaking out. Uh, and, and so uh, the idea of uh, Biden's suggestion of a reduction in force or a ceasefire, uh, keeping a low-level opposition to Gaza rather than the current uh, approach that Israel is taking to wipe Gaza out completely, that was suggested. Uh, the response of Eli Cohen, the uh, Jewish foreign minister, uh, he said this, a ceasefire at the current stage is a gift to the terrorist organization Hamas and will allow it to return and threaten the nation of Israel. Uh, Biden's national secretary, Jake Sullivan, will travel to Israel on Thursday to meet with Netanyahu to discuss how long the fighting will continue. Uh, Sullivan said uh, in a Wall Street Journal report, I will certainly be talking to Prime Minister Netanyahu, the War Cabinet, and the senior national security leadership of Israel about timetables, about how they are thinking about that. He wouldn't say whether he would talk about pressuring Israeli officials to shorten the military campaign. So uh, even if you are talking about uh, international support wavering, uh, that the only way international support will be returned would be for Israel to follow uh, American plans, not just for the uh, how they conduct this particular war, but also for the future of the region. Netanyahu uh, earlier today flatly rejected the American plans for the future of the region. Uh, those in the State Department suggested 
that uh, one of the best ways to resolve this would be to allow the Palestinian Authority to come in and manage things in the Gaza Strip in the aftermath. Uh, but uh, again, uh, Netanyahu said in a the video, there's disagreements about the day after Hamas. Uh, he says, I hope we will reach agreement here as well. After the great sacrifice of our civilians and our soldiers, I will not allow the entity into Gaza of those who educate for terrorism, support terrorism, and finance terrorism. Gaza will neither be Hamastan nor Fatahstan. Uh, Sullivan said he would speak to uh, Netanyahu and other uh, officials about uh, what their plans were. And this is really the most uh, uh, crucial issue in this whole uh, brouhaha. What is going to happen after Gaza is finally uh, cleaned out of Hamas? What do you do with the Gaza Strip. Well, the suggestion had been made to allow the Palestinian Authority to come in and manage it. However, uh, the Palestinian Authority is the Fatah organization, uh, which doesn't believe in wiping out Israel all at once, but in fits and starts. That's basically the only difference between they and Hamas. They are both committed to the extermination of the Jewish state. Uh, proof positive of this is the pay for slay program that uh, Hamas uh, puts on if an individual uh, living in the West Bank, uh, commits a terrorist act and is killed in the midst of that terrorist act, blows himself up with a suicide vest, uh, shoots Israelis and is shot themselves. Their families are put on a permanent uh, pension by the Palestinian authorities, a very uh, wealthy pension, as a matter of fact. And so uh, the uh, label pay for slay. So uh, the, the, the bottom line is, is this. Uh, Israel says that Hamas still has 117 hostages. Uh, they also have the remains of 20 people who died uh, while in captivity or during the initial attack. Israel is going to continue to do everything they can uh, to be able to rescue these hostages. The fact that Israel is starting to pump huge amounts of water into the Palestinian tunnel system tells me that uh, the possibilities for hostages being rescued is probably diminishing. Uh, we can't say with certainty because obviously we don't know what's happening on the ground, but Hamas is such a brutal organization, such a murderous organization, they will only keep Israeli hostages alive as long as they think there is some sort of strategic edge to having them around. Compassion or humanitarian concerns are uh, not an issue. By the way, after uh, President Biden made these remarks, uh, White House spokesman John Kirby uh, uh, was repeatedly grilled in uh, today's press conference about what Biden's intention was when he said Israel supporting, losing support its conservative government needs to change. Uh, Kirby said Biden was merely expressing concern about civilian casualties in Gaza. He also reiterated Biden's support for a two-state solution after Netanyahu uh, indicated he planned to keep Israeli troops in Gaza long after the fighting ended. Kirby said this, he was expressing concerns that we will continue to see civilian casualties in Gaza. And again, we want to make sure that they work to minimize that and that they actually have the kind of results that they are trying to minimize. So uh, pressed repeatedly about the status of American-Israeli relations. If Biden was putting conditions on his support of the war against Hamas, Kirby said he expressed those concerns as a real friend of Israel, someone who loves and respects Israel as he has his whole public life. He said Biden and Netanyahu remain friends. They have a long-standing relationship. They're going to keep that relationship. They're going to keep talking. I think you can expect 
that he will be talking to Prime Minister Netanyahu in the future about what we can do to support Israel. So uh, the, the bottom line is uh, it's a mess. Uh, when you make remarks like this and you think that it's going to stay in the private enclave of a fundraiser, uh, I think Joe Biden's been in politics long enough to know that simply isn't the case. Uh, whether he was backdooring a uh, growing uh, pressure from his own State Department to take a more pro-Hamas point of view, less support of Israel as far as completely wiping out Hamas, uh, we can only speculate at this point. But what we can know spiritually is this. God said he would bless those who bless Israel and curse those who curse them. And so really important for us to uh, be praying for our leadership in this country that we don't get pressed by academia. Uh, we've seen just horrific demonstrations, uh, including uh, people on Ivy League campuses carrying placards that say, let's bring back the final solution, a, pic a reference to the Holocaust as far as dealing with the Jews are concerned. Uh, when we see this, this sort of thing, uh, we realize that the people that support Ivy League institutions, have a lot of sway in government. Uh, we need to pray that our government stands firm behind Israel in the midst of them defending their own people, wiping out these terrorists whose uh, murderous and uh, you know, incredibly gross and graphic tactics should be uh, making them a pariah internationally. One good news along that line is that uh, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates have declared that they will no longer support Gaza or Hamas in any way, shape, or form financially. Uh, I'm glad they finally come around to that. But, uh, you know, let's pray uh, for the peace of Jerusalem. Let's pray for the Jewish people. Let's pray uh, for the only thing that is going to cause the end of the Muslim-Jewish conflict, and that is Muslims beginning to understand that they are following the teachings of a murderous false prophet who has only made their lives more miserable over time. Uh, pray that uh, God supernaturally intervenes, leads key people in Islam to a saving faith in Jesus as the Messiah, the true and living God, and uh, as a result, uh, changing hearts is going to change this world, as it always has been. Yeah, amen. Is there anything we can and should be doing beyond prayer? I mean, I guess be ready to share the hope that's within us. Uh, I think that's always an awesome thing. Yeah. Uh, you've changed nothing until you change the hearts of men. Uh, there's a lot of dust up, uh, maybe you get questions about it, about Christian nationalism. Uh, you know, first of all, nobody's been able to define for me what Christian nationalism actually is. Mm. Uh, if that means that Christians should take their Christian values with them into the voting booth or support candidates who reflect Christian values, well, I guess we're guilty as charged. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, somebody's set of values, somebody's morals are going to be codified into law. That is what law is. It is legally codified morality. Uh, the, the only question is whose? Uh, should it be Christians? Should it be secularists? Should it be neo-pagans? Uh, whose values should we support? So since we live in a participatory form of representative democracy, we as believers in Christ should use that as a stewardship to reflect the fact that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people, not just the Jewish people, but any people. Uh, so, uh, you know, I have no problem at all uh, voting in harmony with my Christian values. That's why I'm a political independent. Uh, I've just seen too much wavering and uh, obfuscating on both sides of the political uh, aisle on issues that mean the most to me, like support for Israel and like being pro-life.
That's why I'm an, I'm an independent. I vote for the issue. I don't necessarily vote for the party. I look at the candidate, and you should too. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the bottom line is there's nothing wrong with supporting uh, people that reflect these particular values and doing it in a, in a political way if you feel so led. Uh, but to say that somehow there's this boogeyman, this scary entity of Christian nationalism really is a roundabout way of saying, um, you know, you can have your Christianity and have it in church, but please don't expect it to make any uh, impact on our society. I think that's ludicrous. Uh, I think uh, that's a double standard. I think that flies in the face of uh, what our founding fathers intended this republic to be. Uh, so, you know, uh, when it comes down to this, talk to your congressman, talk to your senator. Write a letter to President Biden saying you're concerned about him standing stalwartly behind Israel. Be respectful. Obviously, uh, we are to respect those who are in uh, authority over us, as Romans 13 uh, and uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 uh, indicate. But, uh, but let your uh, voice be heard. We do have this privilege, at least for right now, until it's taken away. Let's be good stewards of that, because someday God will ask us to give an account for what we did. Uh, with this possibility of being salt and light in our, our world today. Mm, that's right. Thank so, you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, well, once again, if you have questions on your heart, you can send those in. We have uh, plenty of time here left on our show today to get to your questions. Uh, we have some questions already coming in. Uh, one from Robert. He says, good evening, brothers. Good evening to you as well. Thank you for your question. Uh, what are your opinions about prophetically how much of an impact the church is going to have in 2024? And do we see an increase of hostility against Christians coming soon, even next year? And uh, do you brothers see an increase of spiritual warfare between the angelic and demonic getting more intense as we go into 2024? So do we have any information about the next year on the impact of the church, if there's um, uh, going to be more hostility and spiritual warfare? Do we have any information to guide us on that? Well, in terms of spiritual warfare, we intentionally will not know anything about that. But when it comes to the concerns people have about the, I guess, zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, uh, this was actually released at 5 p.m. today on Jihad Watch. Um, Code Pink uh, proud, proudly posted on Twitter that they have gone from attacking the Saturday people, meaning the Hebrews, to the Sunday people, that is the Christians, in order to protest the quote-unquote genocide happening in Israel, they are now protesting and uh, basically interfering with public tr Christmas tree lightings in public parks. They posted today a disruption of that taking place in Chicago and also in California. They had to move the annual Christmas tree lighting inside because of the violence of the protesters. Mm. Now, all that being, I guess, foreshadowing of things to come, the hatred of the Jewish people and the insanity that stems from the mindset that, well, they're the victims and therefore Israel's the oppressors, and using every kind of slogan that their professors will spoon-feed them, regardless of how little sense it makes, they will turn on anyone and anything that ultimately their teachers, their spokespeople, their demagogues will tell them to. And we need to be aware of the fact that that can happen very quickly and very suddenly. However, it's 
unhelpful to everyone and anyone hearing that because it causes us to live in fear rather than with the desire to share the gospel. So yeah. these kind of questions don't really end up accomplishing anything. If we ask the question, you know, is, is the church going to become less impactful as persecution rises? Well, if anything, history has shown us it's the reverse, because if we can glean anything from times of persecution, it shows that it makes Christians have to count the cost of what they believe, not just to do something on a Sunday or potentially Wednesday night, maybe right. even twice a year. Second, if we say, well, what about the things that were intentionally not told in the Bible? What does, what does the Bible say about the things it doesn't say? <laughs> I'll let you figure that one out. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the impact the church is going to have, once again, the decisions of the church are going to be their own. We have the opportunity as the church to make a decision every single day to be used by Christ how he sees fit. We are intentionally not told what that's going to entail, because if we were let in on it, we'd likely find a way to mess it up. The point is, if you're going to be available to what God has to do for you, make sure that it's today that you ask every single day for an opportunity to be an example of God's heart where and when you can, and not focusing on the things that, A, we don't have any business knowing, B, that we aren't told, C, that we don't need to know even if we were told, and D, of course, wouldn't matter even if we were. So when it comes to the unseen realm, it's unseen, therefore unknown. When it comes to realms of false doctrine and protesting, of course, we see this culture is rabid and unstable and filled with people who would be just as willing to cut our heads off with a dull knife, as the Quran tells them to, as they would to put us <laughs> away for life for the crime of the teacher said so. We don't need to dwell on those things, though, because that kind of information just isn't healthy. Just make sure that when you are living your Christian life that it's not with, okay, so what's my map for the future going to be like? Okay, what's your map for today going to look like? I'm going to be where God has me, and I'm going to make sure that His Holy Spirit's going to equip me for every good work as His Word says He will. Mm -hmm. If you try to go beyond that, then you're going beyond Scripture, and that's not only false doctrine, that's self-deception. It's not helpful. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, as far as uh, going beyond Scripture, you know, it's always a, an interesting question, and people will do like their Christmas Eve, um, you know, uh, forecast for the future kind of messages, and and, uh, you know, I think some people do a, uh, an interesting job of talking about current trends and extrapolate them, extrapolating them out from a scriptural point of view. I don't, I don't have a problem with uh, people doing that. But one of the things we're really discovering, and uh, I think is really, really key, is that uh, if Satan is going to defeat us in spiritual warfare, uh, the first thing he's going to do is try to disarm us. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Uh, if we become, as Sean, you mentioned, so uh, caught up in speculations, uh, in, uh, in even uh, uh, political, uh, you know, uh, rallying behind certain candidates and, and so on, uh, to the point where we're setting aside the clear teaching of God's Word. You know, we can do the same thing with philosophy, we can do the same thing with psychiatry. Uh, sometimes I get concerned, and even those who are involved with apologetics, uh, are spending more time apologizing for the Bible, uh, like they're embarrassed about it, than actually defending the faith. Uh, and, and so you can uh, take a look at some of these trends and say they're probably going to continue. But for my money, you know, why not just take a look at what the Word says? And you can apply this to the, the coming year. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, 
blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Well, it seems to me like you've just described a day on uh, the internet right here. Uh, most social media would uh, fit under this description. And uh, Paul said that shouldn't really surprise us. What is the trend with all of this? Uh, well, uh, Paul goes on to say in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now notice, there's going to be a trend. Uh, there's going to be a price to be paid for your faith in Christ. Uh, you know, we get all kinds of very interesting comments from people that... Uh, tell us what they would like to do to us because of, say, our stand with Israel or, or our stand for the Bible or saying something as simple as we believe that Jesus is the only way to God. Uh, sometimes I read these things and I kind of laugh and I say, boy, somebody needs to mix in some caffeine. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're seeing violent protests uh, on like even Ivy League uh, campuses where people certainly should know better but don't seem to know better. Uh, we're seeing uh, the, the idea of paying a price for your faith for standing for your faith, uh, becoming more and more of a live issue. Uh, are we ready for that? Are we prepared for that? Uh, you know, what would it take for you to throw in the towel in terms of following Jesus? Is Jesus worth suffering for? Is Jesus worth being ostracized from relationships for? Is, is Jesus worth uh, taking a financial hit? Uh, is Jesus uh, worth not going uh, along with uh, increasingly crude and disgusting forms of entertainment and keeping yourself unspotted. Is Jesus worth that? Do you love Jesus enough to do that sort of thing? But if you don't, uh, here's your alternative. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. In other words, uh, the tide is not leading towards, uh, you know, like some would say uh, that we're going to conquer the world for the Lord and the seven mountains that we're going to take over and, and by golly, we're going to do this and then we're going to hand the world perfected over to Jesus. I don't know where people get these ideas, but they obviously don't get out very much if they think that's what's happening. Uh, we're told that evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Uh, there's no greater deceiver than someone who thinks they're telling you the truth. You know, go with Sean on one of those Muslim, uh, you know, websites and watch their debate. They have no qualms whatsoever about bald-faced lying about the claims of their own religion and think that they're doing a law of service by doing so. Um, we see this happening all the time. Uh, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses will say anything they need to say to get you into their particular group because that's how they uh, feel that uh, either their hope of heaven or even their status in the afterlife is going to be determined. So, you know, again, evil men and imposters are going to grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. If I can give one word of exhortation to those of you in our audience out there, stay in God's word. Don't become over enamored with a certain theological system that seems to quote a few passages from God's word. Be a person who reads the Bible book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, prayerfully, 
uh, with the same heart that Samuel had, where he said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Because if you don't do that, understand something, the tide is going the other direction. If you, if you don't swim against that tide, you're going to get swept up with it. Uh, Chuck Smith uh, used to say that one of his mom's favorite uh, exhortations to him was, Charles, any dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live fish to go against the flow. So let's be people who go against the flow and stay in God's word. If you want an exhortation for me for this next year, stay in God's word and be very, very aware of anything that will distract you from that. You know, Satan's number one tactic is not necessarily showing up with a pale face and rotating a head 360 and throwing up pea soup. His number one tactic is to distract us from God's word. And he can distract you from God's word by making you overly enamored with people's testimonies, people's experiences, people's emotions. Nothing wrong with having a testimony, nothing wrong with having an experience, nothing wrong with worshiping the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Don't get me wrong. But when those things begin to take the place of the Bible, if people are saying, oh, you're just teaching huh, the Bible? Oh, my goodness. That, you know, I'm going down this other place where they're swinging from the rafters. Well, free country. You can go wherever you want. But it's the Word of God standing on the Word of God, standing for the Word of God that is going to determine the battle in 2024. It's going to tell you how to view what's going on in, with Israel in the Middle East. It's going to tell you what, how to view what's happening in our country. It's going to tell you how to view the key social issues of the day. It's going to tell you how to love people with the love of Jesus Christ, not at the expense of truth, but speaking the truth in love. And if we can do that, well, then we'll be prepared for whatever 2024 has in mind for us. Not real sensationalistic, I guess, but <laughs> I think that's good advice. Absolutely. I think so, too. Thank you, Robert, for your question. I hope that yeah. helps you out. Yeah. Sean says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own worries. Yeah, yeah I was the one who said that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Bible says yeah. that. Yeah, you, you know the guy who said that. Yeah, Sean uh, referred yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Let's do what we should be uh, doing today. I think you said that. I think you did. Something yeah. like that. At yeah. some point. At <laughs> some point. <laughs> yes. If not, you should have. Yes, let's, let's go to the transcript. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We have archives, you know. A uh, question from, from Yari. Uh, what does it mean when the Bible says the poor have no friends? Actually, I'll read the whole verse. It's yeah. Proverbs 19.4. Wealth makes friends, but the poor is separated from his friend. How does that apply to us? today what does that mean proverbs 19 4. yeah um like most of the proverbs this is a point in contrast to the subject and the outcome of one thing and that is the abundance or lack of wealth now when solomon agur lemuel the other authors of the book of proverbs were all compiling these points and i believe this may not be relevant but i'll say it because i did the homework um, i believe this is part of the section that king hezekiah actually compiled in addition to the proverbs that were available in the first temple period wasn't it Yes. Yes. Yeah. So um, very uh, interesting historical setting for that. But when they make this point in contrast, it's noting what wealth does, not what people ought to do. So don't confuse the subjects. If there's two people and these people have interactions with other people, what is more likely to draw them? Well, in contrast to what would push them away, it's the 
presence or lack of money. The reason for that isn't because it's the right thing to do, but because people being selfish and self-interested genuinely tend to seek out the sort of people that have something to offer. Now, there is a Bible, or there's a gospel application to this, noting the king of the universe has more wealth than the cattle on a thousand hills. He offers us eternal life. He's valued us higher than himself. He gave up heavenly glory to be a part of us. So noting that that should be something we find attractive in him, that is a positive note. But when it's describing human nature, understand that Proverbs, like scripture itself is just going to be honest about the human condition. And when it's making the encouragement, which I'm sure you read throughout the book, of people making good decisions and becoming wealthy, there are benefits to that. Why? Because it attracts people to you. If you want to have friends, then have something to offer them. That's a potential point of application, but also why these things were discussed. If it's talking about attraction versus desertion, if it's talking about bringing in friends as opposed to repelling them, understand that the point is that you can assume two things in life. Either people are greedy and want something from you, or you're generous and that attracts people to you. Either way, the generous or the object of someone's greed has to have something, and that is wealth. Solomon wisely observes that if you have something to offer, then that's going to attract people who want what you have to offer. If that's going to be in abundance or in lack, it's going to draw or push people away. That's the only point he's making. Now, as far as the definition is concerned, that's it, that the poor people generally don't have as many friends, as you said, because they don't have as much to offer. But wealthy people tend to have lots of quote-unquote friends because, as any NBA player can uh, testify to, you don't actually have friends. You just have people that want something from you. It all tends to go back into that issue. But note the Proverbs point. It doesn't mention specific people. It doesn't say this is God's intention of doing things. It's wisdom literature. It's not what you know. It's what to do with what you know. And if the wisdom behind it is, for uh, <laughs> who was the a comedian made the observation that uh, wealth is better than poverty for nothing than financial reasons? Woody Allen. Yeah, Woody yeah. Allen. It's that point. You have something to offer people who want it. And if you want people around, cure for loneliness, have something to offer. That's yeah. the point. Right. Gotcha. Anything to add to that? Uh, well, uh, I, I think, uh, I think that uh, is a great answer to the question. I just wanted to share something that just broke uh, on, Speaking of tangents. On, on uh, the uh, internet, uh, satanic is uh, trending on the internet, but oh, probably not for the reason that you think. Uh, fascinating uh, story going on in uh, Missouri. Uh, if uh, you are not aware of this, uh, in Missouri, uh, they uh, put up uh, a, a Hanukkah uh, uh, candelabra. Uh, the menorah there in the uh, the grounds of the Capitol building. They put up a manger scene. Well, um, as you could probably anticipate, the uh, Satan, the Church of Satan, said that uh, they wanted to put up their own religious symbol, which was a uh, graphic statue of Satan with an altar before it for sacrifice and so on. Well, uh, an individual by the name of uh, Michael Cassidy, uh, a former military officer, decided to take things into his own hands. He went into the Capitol 
beheaded the statue of Satan and tore the whole thing down. Yeah. Now, for his trouble, he has been arrested yeah. for doing this. Uh, how interesting that, uh, I guess it was earlier this week, that uh, some people uh, back east tore down a statue of Thomas Jefferson mm -hmm. with no legal uh, implications whatsoever. But uh, well, And note that uh, people who are brandishing Israel flags are being arrested in the UK. Meanwhile, people who are waving Hamas flags at rallies aren't being given as much as a second glance by the Scotland Yard, as they say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, <laughs> very interesting developments uh, going on here. Uh, you know, uh, uh, again, there's pictures that you see online. Uh, that uh, will show you exactly what uh, this uh, satanic image looked like. But the obvious question is this. He, uh, Michael Cassidy said in an interview uh, with the Republic Sent Sentinel website, my conscience is held captive to the word of God, not to bureaucratic decree, and so I acted. Uh, now, the big question is this. Uh, was this gentleman correct in what he did was what Michael Cassidy did by tearing this down, the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? Hmm. What do you think? Oh, I'm always in favor of beheading statues of Satan. Let me just uh, put out my controversial opinions there. But uh, now when it comes to the, I guess, tact of the situation, obviously people who put out bait are generally doing so because it's on top of a trap. And if people can put you in a position where they can victimize themselves and say, oh, so you're for the freedom of religion, and then we try to exercise the same rights you want for all of us, and all of a sudden the axe comes out. Well, this shows that you're all just a bunch of fundamentalists and bigots and that we can't have nice things like freedom of religion. You all have to go away too if we have to go away. And it's the same kind of, um, I think the maneuver in chess is called the Sumter Gambit. You can look that up later. But the point being made is this, if you are put in a position where the right thing to do is going to cost you something, then you have the opportunity to count the cost. But the problem is, like any other situation, evil people can think too, just not in your best interest. The good news is, and we can pretty much tell from this, that in the short to medium term, this is going to backfire big time. The court of public opinion is going to recognize. I, I noticed all the Crusader memes and stuff, which is hilarious. Uh, people are going to say, dude, this- Saint Boniface has yeah. been mentioned as well. Uh, this, this is completely ridiculous. They intentionally did something to provoke someone. Someone was provoked. You're just being a bunch of bullies. But the problem is this is the same kind of maneuver that we talked about, not last week, but the week before in the book of Acts, where at Philippi, the work of the enemy was exactly. to bring in this demonically possessed girl so that she would ultimately be exercised after enduring days of her harassment. Now, note, was it a bad thing for Paul to be put in this bait-and-switch environment where doing the right thing, delivering this girl from a demon, would fall into the hands, quote-unquote, of the work of Satan and end up getting them thrown into prison, flogged, and the like? Well, yeah, that was a cost to be counted, and I grieve for Michael Cassidy and his family. The, no one should have to go through something like that. There's nothing worse than doing the right thing and then getting punished for it. But if, on the other hand, you're put in a situation where God can use you more 
through, quote unquote, the enemy's work. It's the most hilarious thing in history to watch because when the work of Satan backfires and more people get access to the gospel than they would without it, like we saw at Philippi, probably one of the most right-on churches in the entire New Testament, yeah. um, second probably only to Philadelphia, we're talking about a situation where what men, or in this case, Satanists intend for evil, God can use for good. When it comes to wisdom, though, if someone's baiting a trap, my first advice is don't bite it. There's a hook. But given this man's actions, I think that God can use it, even though it was, quote-unquote, a short-term mistake. Short and medium term, I think it's going to be hilarious. Long term, I think this is going to be something we have to deal with time and time again on the internet and saying, see you fundamentalist, hate-filled, intolerant bigots just want rights for thee but not for me. It's just classic court or uh, classroom bullying tactics. But understand the point that's being made here. When there are maneuvers, the best thing to do is to not portray weakness in withdrawing from a risk, but calculating that risk and saying, how can God use whatever action I'm motivated to do right now? Because what others might be able to do is with that statue being set up if it's uh, near public grounds it's much like the uh, satan conference that was put on earlier last year where over 120 people came to christ why because outside of the conference a lot of people were like hey there's a bunch of people talking about satan i bet they need to hear about jesus yeah and it ended up backfiring not not in the, the christian's favor so the point being made is that think through how you approach these things, because we do live in a world where the enemy is not stupid. His followers may be, but the enemy isn't. And we also need to know as well that we don't answer stupid with stupid. I'd call this hilarious, yeah. but make sure that you're smart and thinking through whether the price is going to be uh, worth the admission. Yeah. Um, you know, again, uh, you know, I think this gentleman uh, has to uh, follow through on his uh, conscience. And the thing about uh, civil disobedience as Christians is concerned is, you know, okay, here's an act of civil disobedience. The guy tore down this reprehensible altar to Satan. If you want to see how reprehensible it was, go online. You can take a look at pictures. But the the interesting thing about this, and I think the thing that makes this um, right on, believe it or not, is you can agree or disagree with uh, this being, you know, again, the, the plurality of, of religious tolerance and, and all these issues that come with it. But one thing that I will say that I commend uh, Michael Cassidy for is that he was not just willing to follow his conscience before God, felt like this is what I have to do, I can do nothing else. He actually took action and he was willing, without whining, without complaining, to accept whatever consequences would come from those actions, even if it meant going to jail. Uh, So, you know, you can uh, debate about the technique that is involved here. If there there are other ways that we could have gone about something like this, Uh, does the the satanic church just, you know, again, uh, have check and mate on these kind of uh, issues, and so we have to put up with these reprehensible things being put forward in public places. Uh, well, um, there's going to be people who are going to debate that till the cows come home. Here's one man who decided to act according to his conscience before God and was willing to accept the consequences. Uh, sometimes we as Christians will act uh, in 
harmony with our conscience before God and according to the scripture, but then we're not too keen about consequences. Like, oh, I didn't know I was going to get arrested or gee, I didn't know there was going to be a fine or gee, I didn't know that I was going to lose friends over this sort of thing or gee, I didn't know this was going to affect my grade. And, and they're kind of bitter about it. Well, count the cost, you know, realize just like uh, Sean said, yeah, this is a satanic uh, mousetrap, if you will. The only reason they point this, put this up was because they were anticipating something like this happening. But here's how you get around the mousetrap. And I think you animated this as well, Sean. Um, when I was at the U of A, they used to have these very colorful uh, street evangelists that would come uh, on a regular basis to the U of A mall, the speaker's corner, and uh, they would gather a crowd by, you know, again, you know, being really rude and crude and, and uh, talking about fraternity people and sorority girls and calling them, you know, every name under the sun and all this stuff, all in the name of Jesus. And I mean, they were just, you know, they were laughed at and mocked and it was just a real celebration of all this. And boy, when they used to come, I used to kind of wince about it, like, oh boy, here we go again. You know, all of the bridge building I've done with non-believers, especially in my fraternity, is going to go out the window because I can think all Christians are like these yahoos here. Well, you know, a friend of mine showed me a better way. He said, you know, what you do is you go to the crowd that's like watching the freak show, if you will, going on, and uh, simply say something like this, what do you think of those two people? And they'll say, oh, you know, I think they're out to lunch or whatever. Yeah, isn't it uh, amazing how different Jesus is than all of that? And they go, what? What do you mean? And then you get an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. You know, here this uh, issue, uh, again, Michael Cassidy has put spiritual warfare and the fact that there is a wicked one on the front page, twen trending big on Twitter uh, right now, but uh, the, the interesting thing is this. We as Christians can take an event like this and say, yeah, isn't it interesting how the Bible does talk about how there's a battle between good and evil? Have you ever thought about that? Do you think that there is a power of darkness in this world? Uh, if there is a power of darkness, uh, what do you think about how Jesus dealt with that? And then you get an opportunity to be able to tell them about Jesus. The, the secret of life in all this is bring it back to the person of Jesus Christ. And so Michael Cassidy, you know, I'd say good on him because he has definitely raised the issue in a very prominent way uh, and is willing to take whatever consequences come his way for acting according to his conscience. Mm -hmm. Right. Thanks for sharing that. Let's squeeze in we one more question. try to keep you right up to the... the yeah, literally. The, yeah, literally. <laughs> this just in. Yeah. A little uh, preview for Time in the Shade. What do you think about this? Michael Cassidy has been arrested for beheading a statue of Satan. The local de police department has stated that the defacing of their sacred symbols was not to be tolerated. <laughs> huh? Wow. Very, very Norm MacDonald-esque. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Almost yeah. exactly. Got to have fun yeah. with these things. Yes, yeah. indeed. More uh, questions. Question from Maggie. Yeah, we should be able to fit this in and end the show here. Um, how do you know if you've spent enough time with God? Yeah, from Maggie. What a great question. Yeah, it's uh, not like God's some unstable girlfriend. It's like, you never spend time with me anymore. It's like, we hung out, hang out every night. It's like, but you never take me out anymore. It's like, well, we went out last week. And it says, but we don't go to those fancy places. It's just... Hey, can I share a story about this real go ahead. quick? Yeah. Um, you know, I remember early on in my walk with God, and Maggie, I think this will help you. Uh, a friend gave me this uh, little pamphlet called Seven Minutes with God. 
and it told you how to have a quiet time in your, your personal walk with Jesus. Uh, if you prayed through this acrostic, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, you could have a personal quiet time. And I never heard of such a thing, so I thought that was awesome. And, and, and so, you know, you're supposed to spend uh, two minutes adoring God, uh, another minute confessing your sins, uh, another minute thanking God, and then the rest of the seven minutes you spend with your prayer requests. And boy, I thought that was great. And, you know, the thing that I found was, um, you know, seven minutes with God just wasn't enough. It just started expanding. And, you know, pretty soon I found myself praying one day and noticing that I prayed a half an hour. Uh, I spent a half an hour with God. And that's when a spiritual bear trap snapped shut. I remember the next day I prayed through my ACTS and it was only like 20 minutes. I thought, oh, I didn't pray for a half an hour. I got to fill in some more time here. And then I noticed something else. Uh, I asked my brother, uh, who had just become a Christian, hey, you read this thing, you got to read this thing, you got to have a quiet time. And, uh, you know, and he said, nah, I just think I'm going to talk to God throughout the day. And this thought crossed my mind, who wouldn't want to spend a half an hour with God? And suddenly I'm looking down my nose at something. And something that was intended to be good, right? Spending time with the Lord, sharing your heart with the Lord, suddenly had made me a spiritual clock watcher who was judging anybody who wasn't as committed to spending a half an hour with God as I was. Now, I guess, Maggie, the thing that I finally came around to realize was, you know, my brother was right. I can talk to God throughout the day. Spending time with the Lord should be a get-to, not a got-to. You wouldn't want to have somebody spending time with you watching the clock and saying, well, unless I spend this amount of time uh, with Maggie, she's not going to like me anymore. Uh, so, you know, remember, it's a relationship with God. It, it's the joy of sharing time with him and we can talk to him all through the day uh pray without ceasing the bible says uh, in other words just keep at it keep praying keep uh in close contact with god and you won't go wrong but be aware of the danger of legalism there sounds good thank you maggie we'll see you again same time same place tomorrow god bless you guys you've been listening to a reason for hope thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through god's word one question of the heart at a time until we meet again we would love to connect with you you can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.